Welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 633 for release on Sunday, April 11th, 2021. On WaveScan today, Moonbounce Radio... Part 3, an update on Chatham Island, Emetok, and our Philippine DX report. On two recent editions here in WaveScan, we've presented the story of Moonbounce Radio with the events as they occurred in Europe and the United States. In our program today... Ray Robinson presents the story of other significant moon bounce events as they occurred in chronological order in the United States, in Australia, and in Alaska. Thanks, Jeff. It was in January 1946 that the American Army Signal Corps near Belmar in New Jersey successfully demonstrated the reception of echo signals from the moon under the Diana Moon Bounce Project. Two months later, in March 1946, the American International Telephone and Telegraph Corporation, IT&T, revealed the fact that their specialized engineers had also been engaged in a similar project, the reception of radar signals between two distant points on Earth via the Moon. Remember, this was in the days before the availability of satellites. In order to be effective, the transmitted signal from Earth needed to be at a very high frequency in order to successfully penetrate the ionospheric layers surrounding planet Earth. In addition, they declared, it would be a very expensive project. Later in the same year, Westinghouse announced that they were planning a similar project and that they'd be ready within the next 18 months to launch a rocket aimed at the Moon. Aboard the small rocket, which would be launched by the American Army, would be a 100-pound ultra-shortwave transmitter, and this transmitter would be hermetically sealed into the rocket and would be programmed to broadcast pulse signals for one minute each hour. These signals would then be received at special receiving stations on Earth, and they would thus indicate the progress of the rocket in its travel to the Moon. In November 1946, the first successful transmission of radio signals from outer space was achieved when a modified German-designed V-2 rocket was fired by the American Air Force from White Sands in New Mexico. This rocket contained a pulse transmitter and it reached an altitude of 63.5 miles. The radio transmitter in this 1946 missile was activated from the ground by radio signals on both 6 MHz and 470 MHz. The rocket transmitter broadcast a return pulse signal on 493 MHz. On the next occasion of the firing of a high-altitude rocket from White Sands in New Mexico, it was stated that sweep signals would be broadcast from outer space all the way from 3.5 MHz up to 6 MHz. 
and then, on an even later occasion, they planned, another rocket would be fired with a receiver and transmitter that was engineered to receive signals from Kronohertz Station WWV in Washington, D.C. As this rocket travels through space, it would indicate the thickness of the various ionized layers in the ionosphere. Around the same time, that is soon after the end of World War II, Professor Frank Kerr at the Australian Council for Scientific and Industrial Research in northern suburban Sydney began to conduct research into Moonbounce radio. He installed a set of specially designed radio reception equipment at the Radio Physics Laboratory in an isolated area out from Hornsby, just off the Pacific Highway. At predetermined times and dates, a radio signal was beamed to the moon from a 100-kilowatt transmitter located at Shepparton in Victoria, and reception from a moon echo was recorded on many occasions at Hornsby. The Shepparton frequencies were 17840 kHz and 21540 kHz, and these coded transmissions were carried by either of the two new 100 kilowatt STC AWA transmitters at Shepparton, VLA and VLB. Beginning on July 30th, 1948, the University of Illinois at Urbana in the United States attempted to receive a moon bounce echo from the Australian transmissions. During the three-month period of these experimental transmissions, Urbana was able to receive an echo from the moon, but only twice. In the 1960s, a shortwave transmitter manufactured by the Pi Company at Cambridge in England was installed at Jodrell Bank, 25 miles south of Manchester, for the transmission of music and speech. These transmissions were successfully received as moon bounce echoes at the American Air Force Observatory at Sagamore Hill in Massachusetts in the United States. However, at this stage, international radio communication was taking another direction. On July 10, 1962, the American space agency NASA successfully launched a medium-level communication satellite, Telstar 1, from Cape Canaveral in Florida. Shortly afterwards, Telstar 1 began the relay of TV programming across the Atlantic for downlink relay in Europe and North America. It was demonstrated that moonbounce radio was too expensive and too unreliable for regular international usage, and in any case, it was now beginning to be superseded by a new and improved system, that is, geostationary communication satellites. Moonbounce was no longer necessary. However, in spite of all these superior developments, moonbounce radio is still alive, at least a little. It is nowadays generally the purview of amateur radio operators around the world who hold an experimental interest in pursuing the novelty of communicating with other radio amateurs via an echo from Earth up to the moon and back again. There was one subsequent moonbounce event that we should mention, though. The American experimental HARP radio station near Gakona in Alaska was used for a two-day moonbounce experiment in January 2008. These moonbounce transmissions utilized a massive total of 360 shortwave transmitters at 10 kilowatts each on two shortwave frequencies, 6792.5 kilohertz and 7407.5 kilohertz. This two-day experiment on January the 19th and 20th was conducted in an attempt to analyze the composition of the soil on the surface of the moon. Back to you, Jeff.
Thank you very much, Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. In our recent search for information regarding the closure of the Maritime Communications Station, ZLC, on Chatham Island, we acknowledge with appreciation a lengthy response from Tony Megan, who served at the Chatham radio station on three different occasions. He now lives at Alawa, a southern suburb of Sydney in Australia, where he is active in retirement with the amateur radio call sign VK2IC. Tony informs us that the maritime communication station VLC-ZLC on Chatham Island was indeed closed at the end of August 1991, as previously indicated, and that any subsequent maritime radio communication associated with the Chathams was carried by station ZLM at Topo in the center of the North Island of New Zealand. Alternative radio communications with Chatham itself are still carried on these days, though with a different system of operation. Thus, it follows that any listings of Chatham Island ZLC after August 1991 in radio magazines around the world are incorrect, and that these mistaken loggings are for other communication stations in New Zealand itself, not from ZLC Chatham. Recently here in Wayscan, we made an announcement regarding the preservation of historic old collections of valuable QSL cards. Two of the world's major collections of QSL cards, the Committee to Preserve Radio Verifications, or CPRV, in the United States, and Radio Heritage in New Zealand, are no longer accepting any additional items to their already large collections. We suggested that the Indianapolis Heritage Collection, which already contains an estimated 100,000 pieces, is open to receiving any old and historic radio memorabilia, such as QSL cards and letters, radio picture cards, old radio magazines, old radio receivers, radio stickers, amateur and broadcast and shortwave, and anything else that is associated with the historic radio scene. This is a genuine attempt to rescue and preserve valuable radio items of historic interest. For those who would like to do so, you can send large and small collections of QSL cards and letters and any other significant radio items to our address in Indianapolis. We will accept items from anywhere in the world and maintain them in safe storage until things settle down after the virus pandemic. It's our intent that we will then secure a suitable public location where all of the stored QSL and radio items will then be open to the public for display and research. Additionally, it would be our intent that copyable items, such as cards, letters, stickers, magazines, etc., would be copied electronically and made available over the Internet. We express gratitude to those in the international radio world who have already made inquiry regarding the possibility of adding their valuable collections into the Indianapolis Heritage Collection for permanent preservation. Any and all additional items that we receive will join the current collection for preservation in a permanent, suitable public location. Here now is the address that you can send items to. It's Indianapolis Heritage Collection. Care of Dr. Adrian M. Peterson. 903 Tanninger Drive. Tanninger is spelled T-A-N-N-I-N-G-E-R. 
That's 903 Tanninger Drive, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46239 USA. Once again, Indianapolis Heritage Collection, Dr. Adrian M. Peterson, 903 Tanninger Drive, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46239 USA. And if you'd like uh, to make an inquiry or have a question uh, about the collection, uh, we'll give you the uh, Wayscan address at the uh, end of this program, the email address where you can send inquiries. If you've been listening to shortwave radio for any length of time, you've almost certainly come across the following broadcast. Walterboro, South Carolina, in the United States of America. We bring you the international broadcast, The Overcomer. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the voice of the last day prophet of God to mankind throughout all the world, projecting and proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Stay tuned. Now, Maranatha. That's Brother Stair and his Overcomer Ministry. For decades now, Brother Stair has bought airtime on numerous radio stations in the United States and around the world, including many shortwave stations. On the night of April 3rd, Brother Stair passed on. Here's the announcement that aired on the Overcomer program. The Overcomer Ministry announces the passing of our dear brother, Prophet R.G. Stair. On the 3rd of April, 2021, at 11.17 p.m., Brother Stair passed away at his home in Canadies, South Carolina. On behalf of the saints here, we would like to thank you all for your faithful and continued support throughout these many years. Please keep us in your prayers as we move forward and seek God's direction for the Overcomer Ministry. Continuing on by faith and holding fast to the precious promises of Christ's soon return. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. For the moment, Brother Stair's sermons continue on shortwave, but the ministry says it is not sure what will happen after the end of April. Last week, we aired the second part of a presentation by Jim Salmon, producer of Radio Emetoc World Service, which originates in the United Kingdom and airs on shortwave stations in Europe and the U.S., Today, here's part three of Jim Salmon's presentation made during a recent Zoom meeting of the European DX Council. So, onto the, uh, the relay stations. Um, we've got various relay stations, and, and in no particular order, let's start closer to home in Europe. Our program goes out on Channel 292, uh, run by a chap called Rainer. Uh, he has three transmitters. Uh, we use two of those transmitters, 6070 and 9670 kilohertz. Um, and I, I understand, I believe they're 10 kilowatt transmitters. So that gives us very good coverage over Europe. In fact, our program this morning went out at nine o'clock this morning on 6070 kilohertz. And I was using some online uh, SDR receivers and I could hear the program um, coming in very well in Switzerland, I think up in Norway. Uh, over in Russia. So Rainer's transmitters have very good coverage on uh, 6070. 
And on 9670, it also has some directional capabilities. So our program does get out um, very well on, on channel 292. Another station we're relayed on uh, is a small low-power FM station in, in Tawa, New Zealand. Uh, obviously, the transmitter power there is very low. Uh, but what's interesting about World FM is it's an, also available online and it has very global programming. So it's actually a, a very good station to, um, to tune into. Uh, it carries some very international global programming. So quite pleased to be going out on World FM, uh, but it's mostly for uh, online, online listenership. Uh, for a while, we were going out on a unique radio uh, in Australia, a small licensed shortwave radio station from Gunnada in New South Wales on 5045 and 3210. Um, that's currently off the air because Tim, who owns the station, has, has moved house, he's relocated, and he has to wait for his new licensing to come through. So, um, uh, and from those, probably to the most powerful of our relay stations, WRMI. Uh, and I believe Jeff's watching now, so I better make sure I get the information right here. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, WRMI Radio Miami International, from the wonderfully named Okeechobee in Florida. Uh, I, I love that name. I don't know why, uh, but it, it has become one of the uh, places on our bucket list to go and visit one day. I think WRMI must be the only station that has cows wandering around its uh, transmission site. Um, I, I understand it's a 600-acre transmission site, and there are also crocodiles wandering around as well. So that might put me off visiting, I think, but I'll, um, I'm okay with the cows, but not the crocodiles. The station was originally operated by WIFR, set up in 1977, and the station was purchased by WRMI in 2013 and has 14 transmitters and 23 antennas beamed in 11 different directions across the world. Many of the transmitters are 100 kilowatts and cover various of the shortwave bands. And obviously, it goes without saying that we get very good coverage from our program going out on WRMI. And just, just on to our last relay station and going from almost from one extreme to another, um, Scandinavian Weekend Radio, whose transmitters are probably 100 watts rather than 100 kilowatts. Um, but a wonderful set of people who run Scandinavian Weekend Radio, they transmit on the first Saturday of every month, uh, I think on nine or ten months of the year, from Virat in Finland. And we get good responses from there as well. They're, uh, again, a uh, uh, I've never actually met any of them, but I understand there are a bunch of uh, radio enthusiasts like myself. Uh, this is the uh, the hut they transmit from. I believe, and I'm, I'm not sure, but you, Chris, you have to give me a thumbs up if I'm right here. Uh, I believe the EDXC visited the hut uh, a few years ago. Is that right? I, I have seen a picture somewhere of you outside the hut, but I think the weather was a bit different then. This picture was taken uh, last month. Uh, so obviously... It shows the dedication of us radio people to put our programs out because they've made their way to, uh, to their hut to, uh, to do their programming. Just a few of our QSL cards that we send out. We, we do get a lot of uh, reception reports in. The first program back in May, uh, we had over 30 reception reports, which I, I think is, is, is uh, very, very good. I'm very pleased with that. Um, last month, we had over 40 reception reports coming in. So I'll try and produce some different QSLs every now and then so that uh, always send out something that lists people's names and uh, where they're listening. And um, and we we have had uh, good reports in from South America. Some of Jeff's transmitters are beamed at South America. 
and some unusual reports. We had a report in from uh, a chap who was the master of a vessel traveling in the Pacific, and he had actually rigged up an aerial system on, on the top deck of the, of, of the vessel uh, and was doing some shortwave DXing, and he sent us a reception report. So for little old me doing a program, that's quite fascinating. I mentioned in my last program uh, about when we were talking about World Radio Day, it was interesting. There's a a flippant side for me doing my programme, but there's also a serious side. I tend to treat life in a flippant manner, but I do have a serious side to me. What I I found, World Radio Day was very good for me because it it made me look look at radio again. When you think how much competition has been there, to um, to try and the, the, a lot of mediums might not have survived. You think television should have wiped radio out, but it didn't. And now uh, the internet and all the social media that go with it uh, should have done for radio, but it hasn't. And um, I think we take radio for granted sometimes. In a previous World Radio Day, Farm Radio International asked their colleagues to uh, to answer the question or finish the sentence: "Radio is." And I loved some of the answers. Radio is life, change, peace, fantastic, dynamic. Radio is your only way of reaching the hard to reach. Very good, that. Personal, intimate and a lifeline. Radio is an amazing tool. Radio is you. Uh, I was quite touched by that because I think uh, we do tend to take radio for granted. And, um, and I went on to say that I agree with all those sentiments. And it was good to be able to thank World Radio Day for reminding us just how valuable our radio is. And hopefully we all share a similar pride, whether we be a program maker, a transmission supplier, or above all, which is where I started, a, a listener. Because without the listener, there's no point me making a program. There's no point uh, anyone putting a transmitter on the air. So listeners are, are, are the key and the most important thing. I hope that my, my, as I say, I tend to be quite flippant, but there is a serious side to this. And, and I hope that just in, in a small way, um, that my my little program and others like me provide some sort of balance to some of the more serious and the more intense programs that are on shortwave and and in a small way will help to keep people tuning and listening to shortwave i think in the in the communication magazine last month uh very interesting there was a an article by david harris about um about new radio stations coming on the air and the editorial comment at the end of that uh, picked up on the point that um, you know some of us do like to tune around and hear different things, and shortwave is an amazing place for that. You can tune around, you can hear different cultures, different slants on news, um, different music, and uh, and that's that's just on the broadcast side. There's all these fascinating bits in between, the uh, number stations and and some, and uh, data signals that that uh, are fascinating. So uh, I, I like to feel that. We're all keeping shortwave alive, and I think it will still be needed. Uh, recent events have shown that the internet can't be relied on to 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 relay information and news to, to certain parts of the world. So uh, even if there is internet worldwide, it's still controlled by someone else. So we, we do need radio, and we desperately need shortwave radio. And uh, I think in time, people will start to realise again how valuable shortwave is. So... Thank you. That was Jim Salmon, producer of the program Radio Emma Talk. Now it's over to the Philippines. Here's Henry Umatai with his DX report. Hello, everyone. Tola dear shortwave listeners, wherever you're welcome to the April 11th edition 
of the Philippine DX. This report number 169. I'm Henry Umaday in Bacolod City, Negros Occidental Central Philippines. Glad to be back and thank you for listening. I would like to thank our DXer friends for sending the reception report. Most recently, Mr. Olmar Quebec in Sweden, Mr. Konstantin Barsenkov in St. Petersburg, Russia, and Mr. Richard Lemke in Alberta, Canada. To all of you, thank you very much. Reception logs for March 2021, March 1, KBS World Radio 9805 in Japanese from Jim J at 100 SIO 454, March 2, NHK Radio Japan on 17810 in Japanese from Yamata at 0237 SIO 333, March 4, World Harvest Radio 38WH on 9965 in English from Palau. At 0845 SAO 443. March 6, Radio Thailand World Service on 9940 in English from Marantani at 1420 SAO 444. March 7, New Life Station KNLS on 9695 in English from Anchor Point, Alaska at 0850 SAO 555. March 7, Adventist World Radio on 11990. In English, from Guam at 22.15, SAO 3.43. March 8, China Radio International 11.955 in Filipino, from Kunming, Aning Yuhan Province at 11.45, SAO 5.55. March 14, Adventist World Radio 12.055 in Kachin, from Tashkent at 13.25, SAO 5.55. March 21, China Radio International on 11955 in Indonesian Kunming at 1345 SIO 343. March 24 KBS World Radio on 9570 in English Kim J at 1343 SIO 333. March 27 Trans World Radio on 11965 in English from Aganya Guam at 1145 SIO 4. For, for March 26, Radio Free Asia on 11795 in Burmese at 1240, SIO 444. And March 28, New Life Station, KNLS on 9580 in English from Angkor Point, Alaska at 1025, SIO 555. Send us your comments, suggestions, reception logs, and information to PilipinasDX at Chiaho. Dot com. That's P-I-L-I-P-I-N-A-S-D-X for Pilipinas DX at Chiahu.com. This has been Henry Umalay for Wayscan in Bacolod City, Negros Occidental Central, Philippines ay mabuhay at maraming salamat po. Thank you very much, Henry, and thank you for listening to Wavescan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio, researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week, Vatican Radio celebrates 90 years and our Bangladesh DX report. Several QSL cards are available for the program. Send your AWR and KSDA reception reports for Wavescan to the AWR address in Bangkok, Thailand, and also to the station your radio is tuned to, WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa, or to IRRS Italy or to the AWR relay stations that carry WaveScan. Remember, too, you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air here in WaveScan. 
They will also verify with their own colorful QSL card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The email address for AWR QSLs is qsl at awr.org. The postal address for AWR QSLs is Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, that's P-R-A-K-A-N-O-N-G, Bangkok 10110, Thailand. Again, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, Bangkok 10110, Thailand. And the email address for other correspondence to WaveScan, including inquiries about the Indianapolis Heritage Collection, is wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI in Okeechobee, Florida, USA. Till next week, good listening, everyone. <laughs>